Hello and welcome to another episode of Macabre for Mortals. As promised this week, I'm starting the series on narcissistic personality disorder. I know this is a really a very contentious topic, a lot like the dissociative identity disorder. So I'm hoping the series can shed some light on the disorder and dispel some myths as well. As I have talked about in the last few weeks, I'm thinking this will most probably be a three-part series as I've already written episodes one and two and I feel it can be rounded off within the third part. So if in the next few weeks you have anything that you'd like me to look into or cover during this series, then please drop me an email and I can always tweak, um, obviously, episode three because I've already written episode two or I can answer some questions for you. Thank you so much for everybody's responses to the Dissociative Identity Disorder series. I've got a huge response from Um, that series and it has actually spurred me on to look a little bit deeper in this series and taking on some of your advices and your constructive criticism so thank you so much and let's get on with this In Greek mythology, Narcissus was a hunter from Thespiae in Boeotia who was known for his beauty. According to Tizaeus, he rejected all romantic advances, eventually falling in love with his own reflection in a pool of water. He later died and in his place sprouted a flower bearing his name. I believe the flower is like an inverted daffodil and that's apparently the flower that um, came up. The character of Narcissus is the origin of the term narcissism, a fixation with oneself. This quality in turn defines the narcissistic personality disorder, a condition marked by grandiosity, excessive need for admiration, and the inability to empathize. Narcissistic personality disorder, or NPD, remains a somewhat controversial diagnosis in the DSM-5. There are concerns about whether the the diagnostic criteria used to define the disorder fully captures the nature of the condition and instead unduly stigmatizes aspects of it. Some of the terms that define the condition highlight aspects such as antagonism and lack of empathy, which even if present may characterize the condition as potentially morally culpable or unsympathetic. But research lately has attempted to focus on the subtypes within narcissistic personality disorder that may actually help both clinicians and lay people understand the variability of the condition and identify better ways to manage and potentially treat it. Narcissistic personality disorder involves a pervasive and persistent pattern of self-importance and grandiosity with a constant need for admiration from others and a need to surround oneself with others who are perceived as powerful and special. The condition has a wide range of functional severity associated with it 
adding to the confusion about whether it's a definition accurately captures those who truly meet the criteria for a psychiatric disorder. Narcissistic personality disorder is considered one of the more difficult conditions to treat because by definition, individuals with it struggle to engage with external viewpoints and engage in self-reflection. Although given the range of symptomology and severity, it certainly is still possible to do so. To review articles in the American Journal of Psychiatry, which is Russ et al. of 2008 and Callagher et al. of 2015, both note that narcissistic personality disorder may be a heterogeneous category that encompasses three major subtypes with varying degrees of clinical severity and prognosis. However, I am of the camp that there I don't know. There are those three different types of the personalities which can be presented. But at the same time, there are a lot more than just those three. The first type, grandiose overt type. This type is considered to have the highest severity of poor interpersonal and psychosocial functioning and higher comorbidity with other psychiatric disorders, including other personality disorders and substance abuse. They may present with more anger and hostility than the other types. Despite more illness severity, people with this type of narcissistic personality disorder are less likely to present for help and engage in treatment. In some severe cases, individuals with this presentation may encompass the malignant narcissist subtype. Second type, fragile, vulnerable, covert type. This type is considered to possibly represent more often for mental health treatment with higher comorbidity with depressive and anxiety disorders. These individuals have more issues with vulnerability to criticism and fluctuation between high and low self-esteem. Narcissistic personality disorder may actually be missed as a core source of their symptomology as they do not necessarily present with the overt grandiosity and the lack of empathy as some with the disorder. But they may still have the underlying traits of covert expectations of superiority or recognition and remain preoccupied mainly with their own sensitivity and perceived failures. The third type, high functioning exhibitionist type. This type is less likely to have the psychiatric comorbidity and may not necessarily meet the functional impairment criteria for their narcissistic personality disorder, except during periodic crises or unexpected failures, such as losing a job or undergoing a divorce. They appear to be outwardly successful and genuinely maintain their ego stability, but they still maintain an, an essential narcissistic personality disorder, personality structure. Issues with entitlement and self-centeredness may lead to interpersonal issues and explosive and, and empathetic behaviors. 
These three subtypes may also reflect a spectrum for the condition that leads to public controversies over whether certain public figures or even everyday co-workers meet the criteria for narcissistic personality disorder versus everyday narcissistic traits. The high-functioning type, for example, probably should not be defined usually as an official narcissistic personality disorder for a given individual. They are better described as people who have a narcissistic personality traits, as by definition they are high-functioning. The DSM-5 disorders require significant functional impairment. These individuals may only meet criteria when they have a crisis leading to depression or other problems. But their personality-driven behaviours may still lead to the problems that have a downstream personality and societal effects, even if they do not necessarily meet the criteria for requiring active psychiatric treatment. Even more confusing There are cases of outwardly high-functioning people who probably still meet criteria for the first grandiose subtype and even cross over into the malignant narcissistic type who also contain characteristics of the arguably more serious antisocial personality disorder, ASPD, with components of sadism. This subtype is not defined as an official DSM-5 subcategory but has been written about for decades in psychological literature, which was first defined by Enrich Fromm and Otto Kirnberg in the 1960s. This was due to concerns over historical figures who have its most extreme characteristic, typically genocidal dictators such as Hitler or Stalin. On the surface, these people were morbidly successful, rising to power over entire nations. But the consequences of the behaviours and cults of personality altered the course of history, causing mass murder, world wars and unspeakable human costs. The dilemma in such definitions is that inevitably they affect and stigmatise people's perception of narcissistic personality disorder as having a moral dimension or lack thereof. And it may colour an entire spectrum of people who meet some criteria for the condition as such, even if that may not be the case at all for some. Indeed, sometimes narcissistic personality disorder contribute to mildly stung feelings at best and actual serious physical and emotional harm to others, at most through aspects of manipulativeness and impaired empathy. But many with narcissistic personality disorder have a genuine mental health disorder and can be suffering and unable to control their dysfunctional patterns of behaviour. They can often have a core of self-loathing and emptiness that stems from childhood emotional pain, issues of emotional neglect or trauma in their upbringing, or possible genetically driven emotional processing defects. These people can sometimes engage positively in treatment and learn the language of interpersonal relationships and empathy successfully. Narcissistic personality disorder is best described as a paradox. People with narcissistic personality disorder may act superior and confident but are often fragile and lack self-esteem. 
They crave attention and praise, yet are unable to form close relationships. Narcissistic personality disorder causes great distress to both the person with the disorder and those around them. The facts. Narcissistic personality disorder affects more men than women, as 50% to 75% of the people diagnosed worldwide are actually men. Narcissistic personality disorder is an old established diagnosis. Narcissism has been referenced in psychological literature since 1911, and the narcissistic personality disorder was first listed in the Diagnosis Statistical Manual, the DSM, in 1980. Narcissistic personality disorder is sometimes called pathological narcissism, but it is different to narcissistic personality type, which is not a disorder. I'm just going to dispel some myths now and also put the reality after with them. So to give you a clear outline of things that can be misrepresented. So a common myth is that narcissistic personality disorder is the same as acting narcissistic. In reality, acting narcissistic is a part of the human condition. We all have times where we show narcissistic tendencies. It's just being a human. But narcissistic personality disorder is classed as a disorder, but it is marked by extreme narcissistic symptoms. The next myth is that narcissistic personality disorder is common and it has become an epidemic. And the reality is it's not really common at all. It only affects between 0.5% and 1% of the general population. A lot of people seem pretty sure about this myth that a lot of influencers or some celebrities have narcissistic personality disorder. However, it is incredibly dangerous to diagnose at a distance. It is also ineffective. Just because someone appears to behave in a narcissistic way doesn't mean that they have narcissistic personality disorder or any mental illness for that matter. And the last one that I've come across an awful lot is that people with narcissistic personality disorder are bad or evil. People who live with narcissistic personality disorder live with a complex mental illness. Their behavior can actually make life hard for them and definitely makes it hard for the people around them. But it's a symptom of a mental illness, not a moral failing. So there are nine key symptoms associated with this disorder and to be diagnosed with narcissistic personality disorder, a person must be assessed by a medical professional to be experiencing at least five of the following. Number one, a grandiose sense of self-importance. Number two, preoccupation with fantasies of unlimited success, power, brilliance, beauty, or ideal love. Three, a belief that they are special and unique and can only be understood or should associate with other special or high status people or institutions. Number four, 
an intense need for excessive admiration. Number five, a sense of entitlement that they should get and have whatever they want. Number six, a tendency to be interpersonally exploitive in that they use others to achieve their own ends. Number seven, a lack of empathy demonstrated through an unwillingness to recognize or identify with the feelings and needs of others. Number eight, envy of others or the belief that others are envious of them. And finally, number nine, arrogant, haughty, or supercilious behavior and attitudes. There's criticism that this clinical set of symptoms concentrates too much on how people with narcissistic personality disorder relate to others and not enough on the internal symptoms, including low self-esteem, harsh self-criticism, overriding insecurity, feelings of inferiority, loneliness and isolation, hypersensitivity, fear, rage, shame, and vulnerability. But how can we distinguish between the different types of narcissism? Whether it's narcissism, versus a narcissistic personality type versus narcissistic personality disorder. Narcissism is the human experience of feeling important, needing admiration and attention, wanting success and love. It's normal and can even be seen as a healthy personality trait if it's mild and occasional. It is perfectly possible to feel or act a little narcissistic, even unpleasantly so, without having what would be classed as a disorder. Um, A perfect example of this is what one of my lecturers said, it's a bride on her wedding day. Most brides want to feel the most beautiful that they've ever felt, and they want the attention and admiration of everyone as they're walking down the aisle. That is a narcissism, but doesn't mean that they have the personality disorder or a personality type. It's just that one moment in time. And that's just being human. A person whose personality is strongly characterized by narcissistic traits may act obnoxious and difficult, but still not have the disorder. Think of narcissistic personality disorder as narcissistic personality traits taken to the extremes, looking excessively to others for praise, feeling exceptional and superior, having direly low empathy, craving everyone's attention all of the time, and only really having superficial relationships. So narcissistic personality disorder is an extreme form of narcissism that can cause great distress distress and functional impairment. And it lasts a very long time. It isn't just a moment in time. It can span years and someone's whole life. The exact causes of narcissistic personality disorder are really unknown 
because this disorder can be inherited and a genetic link is suspective. There are also theories that excessive praise or judgment by parents, early trauma and abuse may contribute to narcissistic personality disorder. This disorder is not caused by a medical condition, drugs, or a person's developmental stage in life. So how would we go about seeking help, getting a diagnosis and a treatment for this disorder? Because narcissistic personality disorder often causes feelings of superiority, entitlement and arrogance, People living with a disorder don't always recognize that they have a mental illness or seek help, even when their patterns of behavior can cause serious problems in their lives and the lives of those around them. For those who do seek help, diagnosis is made by a mental health professional and treatment generally takes the form of psychological therapies, including psychodynamic therapy, which is used to explore and reduce pain from past events, cognitive behavioral therapy or CBT, which is used to interrupt and change unhelpful patterns of thinking or behavior that are behind people's difficulties, and relationship therapy. This is used to resolve the conflicts in couples or families to improve communication and problem solving. The therapy for a person with this disorder will be long-term and its success depends on the willingness of the person with the disorder to both acknowledge that they have the disorder and commit to change. Narcissistic personality disorder is not treated with medication. Although medications may be prescribed for associated depression, anxiety, or other health issues. People with narcissistic personality disorder tend to be self-obsessed, believing others are the problem. So many see no reason to attend counseling. They can interpret encouragement to seek help as criticism and respond very defensively deflecting fault onto others. Using a useful technique to encourage therapy is suggesting that a shared problem or issue exists and focusing on the things that both people can work through together. And the people living with narcissistic personality disorder can be very difficult to relate to and sympathise with. They frequently act in hurtful ways to the people around them. And supportive therapy is a good way for friends and carers to build strategies for coping with a loved one's behaviour, rebuilding their self-esteem and setting boundaries with them as well. Other self-help strategies may include spending time with people who provide an honest reflection of who that carer is and meaningful activities that make that person feel good. I am possibly going to cover this in the third episode about people who have been affected by people 
having narcissistic personality disorder. But it's just good to keep in mind that understanding the person with the disorder's behavior is a reflection of their insecurities and not you as the person who are the carer, the partner, the child, or the parent of the person with the narcissistic personality disorder. Like I did with the episode on dissociative identity disorder, I'm just going to cover some fictional characters presented in literature, television programs, and movies where they try to depict a character with narcissistic personality disorder. In Rain Man, the classic movie with Dustin Hoffman and Tom Cruise, you watch Tom Cruise's behavior towards his estranged brother. He is out for his inheritance and doesn't care who he hurts in the process. However, he does turn around in this and there is a sweet ending. However, this is not really an accurate depiction for how a person with narcissistic personality disorder would act. They wouldn't just turn around and change their behavior. So I think maybe he just had a narcissistic personality trait. The one which I think really shows narcissistic personality disorder is Gone Girl. Here's some spoiler alerts if you haven't read the book or seen the movie. The wife has planned her escape, building a web of crazy lies to frame her husband for her murder. She uses an old boyfriend and then she kills him. This book and movie are an excellent and real reflection of the manipulation of a narcissist. And the end twist of it probably is what really shows how much and to the real extent that a person with narcissistic personality disorder can go and how they are so separate from their emotions and so much of the lack of empathy. If you really want to get the understanding of what the disorder is really truly like, I would give the book a read and then watch the movie because It really conflicts you until you know everything at the end. Holy Hell, which is a movie about a mind control of a narcissist. It's a true story of a cult that stayed together for 20 years thinking that they had a better life. I really did like this movie because it really shows you the craziness of the inside of a mind of a narcissist the lies and the length that they will go to to be careful this is also a must watch as you can see how someone with narcissistic personality disorder can control 30 plus people for over 20 years just shows you how powerful the disorder can actually be So narcissistic personality disorder has actually been shown in earlier forms of literature. Very famously, William Shakespeare in King Lear, which was written in 1608. King Lear in Act Act 3, Scene 4 says, 
why thou wert in thy grave than to answer with thy uncovered body in the extremity of the skies. Is man no more than this? Consider him well. Thou owest the worm no silk, the beast no hide, the sheep no wool, the cat no perfume. Ha! His three ons are sophisticated. Thou art the thing itself. An accommodated man is no more but a, such a poor, bare, forked animal as thou art. Off, off, you lendings, come, unbutton here. And tears at his clothes. In this part, you see that Leah is actually showing some narcissistic traits as he thinks, like, aren't I just the best? I actually saw King Leah on the theatre with Pete Pothelswaite for what would have been 2008 now, I think it was. And he was absolutely brilliant and showed the lengths that like King Leah actually went to into his narcissism. I don't know whether it was a disorder, but it was certainly a bad trait. Next is a book called Middle March, which was written by George Eliot in 1874. Middle March abounds with characters in the grips of self-delusion. The ambitious Dr. Ligate chooses unwisely and marries a devastatingly attractive but materialistic Rosamund Vincy. Her materialism alters his career and his connection to her family subjects them to near ruin. Rosamond's uncle, Bulstrode, is a powerful financier and foremost citizen of Middlemarch. He is also a hypocrite, twisting Christian doctrine to accommodate his corrupt motives. Saddest of all is Dorothea Brooke. She marries Casabon, a man she believes to be undertaking a monumental work, in the hope she might help him with it and gain purpose in her leisurely life. On her honeymoon, she discovers not only is that Caspian's work is a fraud, but that his heart is cold. With subtle manipulations that play on Dorothea's sincerity and faithfulness, he demands her absolute compliance with his every wish. While this is worrisome, it's only after he dies that she discovers just how encompassing his narcissism truly was. I think one of the most famous pieces of literature for narcissism is The Picture of Dorian Gray, written by Oscar Wilde in 1890. Narcissists are known for their shallow emotions. And what this means is that although the feelings of love may be proclaimed passionately, there are empty words that are all too often replaced by other empty words that express the opposite sentiments. This circle of idealization and the devaluation is represented perfectly in this novel. Dorian is first enraptured with the actress Sybil Vane, idealizing and idolizing her. But he's fallen for her too quickly and cruelly turns his back on their fragile relationship, all because he's unsatisfied with that one performance. He speaks to her with disgust. You have killed my love. You used to stare my imagination. 
now you don't even stir my curiosity. You simply produced no effect. I loved you because you were marvelous, because you had genius and intellect, because you realized the dreams of great poets and gave shape and substance to the shadows of art. You have thrown it all away. You are shallow and stupid. A little while later, he wonders if he's acted too hastily in rejecting her. So you can see how his words, even though they had so much spite and so much lack of empathy in them, may not have mean really anything at all. And then the fact that, like Narcissus, he fell in love with generally the portrait of himself so much and then it came out with all the gross tears. I think then shows just the juxtaposition that how the inside of the person with a narcissistic personality disorder can be so cut up, so gross, so vile inside to themselves that they see themselves as so vile, even though the outside portrays all the other symptoms. And then the last one in this is probably one that you weren't really expecting, but one that I feel more recently has shown, and it's The Wonderful Wizard of Oz by L. Frank Baum in 1900. Now, we all know by now that The Wonderful Wizard isn't all that wonderful. He's established himself as the mighty and powerful ruler of the Emerald City, claiming the power to send Dorothy home, give the scarecrow a brain, outfit the man, tin man with a heart, and provide the cowardly lion some courage. He's actually a fraud, a poser, exposed when trusty Toto pulls back the curtain and finds the wizard pushing buttons and pulling levers to produce pyrotechnics, bellow orders, and inspire great fear. If that's not showing grandiosity of trying to be a wonderful wizard, then what's more? showing any more narcissistic tendencies. So that's where I'm going to leave the series this week. My sources this week were Adair V, Narcissistic Abuse Support, Sane.org, and Psychology Today. I'll put all the links in the show notes. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Macabre for Mortals. I know it's been another heavy episode, but hopefully this has shone some light on the narcissistic personality disorder. And next week I'll be covering some true life individuals, some crimes, and some research into narcissistic personality traits and how it can affect our lives and how it can actually induce criminal behavior. Then I'm going, I definitely am going to end the series with the last person being on how narcissistic personality disorder can impact its victims. Again, if you have any information you'd like me to clarify or cover, then please drop me an email at macabremortals at gmail.com or give me a follow on Instagram and pop me a DM. 
I hope you all keep safe in the next week. Have an absolutely great week. Thank you. Bye.